Hi, I'm Charlie. And I'm Amina. We're two of the producers on All Purpose Filler, a podcast from Set Radio. Today's conversation is between Torfik Nas and Kumbhra Mukumbi, or Kumbi. In this series, we will record conversations between people who are in some way linked to Set. We want to capture the feeling of a studio visit while allowing artists and friends to share their experience and talk about their work. Today's conversation will be the first stitch in the scene that hopes to eventually encompass Set's wider community and we hope for these conversations to serve as an organic document of our artistic communities. We've been given a short statement by each artist briefly describing their practices in their own words. Torfik Nas is a London-based Libyan artist, often working through sculpture and writing to explore what historical trauma looks like through a post-eco-cosmic review. By blending the ecological and cosmological perspective, Nas identifies changes within these reviewed histories and examines the differences to uncover potential organic solutions. He identifies the perpetually sustained trauma found in the common linearity we use to remember the past. To address this, he seeks alternatives. Nas believes that this approach creates space for the healing of the trauma associated within these histories. Kumbirai Mukumbe is a London-based Zimbabwean artist. Their artistic practice predominantly revolves around sculpture, but also entails imagery, video, and audiovisual digital installation. Their recent work has revolved around self-narrativization, hypervisibility, softness, reconciliation, and the concept of belonging in a translocational context. Alongside this, they place a particular investment into contributing to the development of a black doll gaze told by us on our own times. This conversation took place in late December of 2023 in Torfik's studio in Setnoisham. This building, a former mother care on Lone Pit Vale, is home to over 50 artists. Torfik's space is roughly 8 foot by 18. In the background you may hear cars and buses driving through Lewisham or the hum of an air conditioner. The walls of the space are covered with notes, drawings and quotes, with colours and images representing the vast research that makes up Torfik's practice. It was a privilege to be a fly on the wall for this conversation. We hope you enjoy it as much as we have. The first voice you hear will be Kumbi. So we met at a friend of ours um, had um, basically she had an event. Her name's Ria Dillon. She had an event at um, oh, what's the name of the place? Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, uh, Via 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 yeah. Creations. Yeah, um, and she had like this night of readings. Um, and she got some other artists come alongside that. I can't remember all the names. Um, but my f- a mutual friend of ours, Eben Sadipo, was um, doing a reading that night. I came extremely late, and by extremely late, I'm talking about literally, literally like, when everyone left. When, when yeah, I was yeah. leaving. Um, but I was like, I just want to share face and support. So I was yeah. like, let me just go anyway. And so I showed up just as people were leaving. And that's when Eben introduced us. And you're like, hi, I'm Tofik. And I'm like, hi. Um, but it was literally just like a high and by situation. Yeah. yeah. But then we found, that's how I found out that, because we were talking about what we both do and we're both yeah. artists. 
mm-hmm. and then we were talking about studios mm-hmm. and then I was like oh I, I have a studio in Lewisham mm-hmm. set do you know it yeah and you I was were like working. yes I work there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it was also really funny because I think you did you just finish work then how why were you late do you know do you remember I think I'd been to work and then I had to handle something and then that's uh, why I came late because yeah. I remember I was like I think I not complained about the studio, but I think I said like, oh, there should be like this in the studio. And you're like, email me. Yeah. I actually never did email you. Yeah, you didn't. No. no. But we then met at another Eben reading. Yes. And that's how I feel like we really cemented our yes. silliness as um, friends. What was that? That was, um, I can't remember the name of the exhibition, but I'm um, drawing a blank. Yeah. Curated by Ben Broom. And I think it was at Victoria Mira. Yeah, yeah, in um, near Old Street on Wharf Road. I remember the road for some reason. Interesting. Yeah, um, but it was near Old Street, and um, yeah, we all went. We were just hanging out. I think that, and I think that's my some of my favorite kind of like art relation or like friendships that have like bled into like the way I make work and think Mm -hmm. about work have all started from just like friends with being friends of someone Mm -hmm. and then being like, oh, we should like actually think about or like talk about art together that'd be yeah. really fun um i think that's yeah because then i think that's when we realize actually we have like a very similar way yeah of researching mm-hmm. especially researching away from typical academic sense yeah and more just like researching because it feels like the right I, thing yeah i do. think we, we we are both very guided by feelings which i think which i think is nice i think it's gorgeous yeah, yeah, yeah. i think it's great i think that's the way to be it's that like anybody can read a book i'm sorry no but, and, oh my god but yes. who can be in tune you know um so yeah um that's how yes that's how we that's how tk became to be yeah and i also think just jumping on that point of like anyone can like read a book but being guided by something because i feel like that's when you become in a way i'm trying to think how i'm gonna work like i I think think that's why we have like a real interest in pulling I guess, inspiration from things that aren't typically understood as inspirational. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I feel like we both can see uh, not even a beauty, but like a potential in things, whether it's a song, a Mm -hmm. meme, like anything. I think that's what breaks up the way we work from, I guess, the way I've worked in the past, where it's like I've tried to like fit myself into this like academic sense of like, Mm -hmm. okay, approaching it as if writing an essay rather than approaching it as like a lifestyle yeah. of thinking in a way. Yeah. I think Steph, I think we both have that kind of like lifestyle yeah, of yeah, like yeah. researching in the sense that um I remember we were sharing about how we differently research. Mm. And I was saying that um in the past I've used notebooks. Mm-hmm. Um and now they don't really feel that helpful anymore. But I do still need to document my thinking. And so yeah. I'll explain to you that I now use Arena. I, not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored, yeah. but um, maybe we should get them. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, I use Arena, which is like, if I'm correct, it's like an like an online notice board. Yeah, type kind of. of yeah. yeah, you just like you make like walls and then you add like blocks to it, mm. so you can add like a text block or which an image block. Kind of makes like um, what's that? It's like, um, like yeah, because I think if I was to think about your work through a way mm-hmm. I would definitely use like constellation as oh like yeah a, for sure because it's just there is like everything and I feel like in some ways that mirrors how I like to work as well mm-hmm. where it's like not one thing stands alone no. like ev- something everything's interconnected yeah and I think that's really yeah. nice it's like yeah. but it's so nebulous like it's actually that's the word nebulous yeah it's yes, very you. nebulous it's very like um I wouldn't say it's like yeah that's how what I do and I love it no yeah, it's yeah. like it's traumatic like mm-hmm. it's quite it's tough it's like um <laughs> 
I feel like a maniac, like with all these like different pieces on the floor, or like a detective, and I'm like pulling yeah. the strings. I'm trying to like make it all forensic. Make sense. It's like a very forensic way of work because I feel like that's something that I've noted in a way where it's like I enjoy, I enjoy using perhaps the like the blueprint of like how to like yeah. understand something, but mm-hmm. I don't like to really follow it 100%. Like I do enjoy this idea of like collecting data, observing mm-hmm. it, yeah, and then almost like. <laughs> This is, I was watching, I haven't watched it, but I watched like um, the Trisha Paytas and Julia Fox podcast. I haven't watched that yet. I haven't watched it either, but there's like a, there's like a snippet that I saw online where Julia Fox was basically saying that Trisha Paytas is like the ultimate performance artist. Yeah, I see that. She like has a very unique way of like digesting everything around Mm -hmm. us, like pop culture wise, Mm -hmm. and then like metabolizing it and then Mm -hmm. like spitting it back out at us. And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of way of like working is so unique in the sense of like, it's not necessarily about understanding something and then presenting it in a way that's like academic or follows mm-hmm. a certain set of rules, but it's more, it's just like, this is how I'm seeing things and this is how I yeah. want to continue seeing things. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that me, you and Trisha Pace have in common. Um, <laughs> but what I will say is that we have very, we have vastly different, um, like, how can I say this? Um, like the duration outcomes. of the way that we do that is so vastly different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like Trisha Paytas can do it a lot quicker than I'd say yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah. Like oh, um, we have very slow paces to the way slow. to the way that we work. Because if I'm correct, the work that you do now, yeah, or what which we'll get into, and likewise with me, is that it isn't like it isn't like a thought you had like last year. It's like no. a continual like yeah. snowballing, and I feel like that's something that I. At times, and I wanted to know, I want to know if, if you felt this kind of like anxiety where I'm like, maybe I should just like start again. Jeremy, like, I don't know, I sometimes get yeah. that. I sometimes get it in the studio where I'm just like, perhaps like, when, I think when you feed into something for so long, mm-hmm. you do end up questioning, or perhaps for me, I do end up questioning like, okay, like, what am I actually, like, I'm a bit lost now because mm-hmm. I've like really like fed out and like extracted so much from this like one pool of like thought that I've had mm-hmm. like years ago. So it's interesting to like be in a position now where I can like look back at it. Like, mm-hmm. and I think this year I've said, I've said it a couple of times, but my favorite thing about this year has been being able to like visualize myself as a measurement mm-hmm. to kind of see like where I was last year with my thinking mm-hmm. and my research to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And not in like a, not in like a, like a grind way where I'm like, look how far we've come, but more mm-hmm. in like a, oh, look, look at what this has kind of like evolved to yeah. and look how like, I, I guess like when you are able to look back in a way you can find a way to then look forward. Mm-hmm. Like it's like this really great kind of like um, spectrum opening of mm-hmm. being like, oh, I can really understand the future of this now because mm-hmm. I've understood the past yeah. of it in a way. Mm-hmm. But you don't feel like that. You no. Said. But I have Tell a very you. specific way of looking at it. I feel like, um, I feel like every time I make a work, I'm in a way trying to attempt to encapsulate the same thing I've done before, except better. Mm. Um, it's obviously going to be different. It's going to be obviously informed by new things, but it always feels like, um, I don't know, I feel like it always leads me to the same to the same place mm. in a way. Um, it's like I was thinking, I think I talked to you about this in terms of sometimes I feel like when I produced works, like I would spend like months researching without producing a single thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when I start making the work, I'm still kind of researching whilst I'm even doing that. And 
once I've made the work, it's like I've made it or be informed by that research, but it feels living and breathing. Like yeah. the world that surrounds that work feels living and breathing. It's like I have revelations even after I've completed the work. And I have these, um, I realized, I, I spoke to some people about this. I realized after my last work is that I have made three works over the past three years. I make a work here. Yes, that's my pace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the sense that um, the three works I've made in the past three years have all basically said the same thing and they've mm. all been allegories for transitioning. Mm. But it's the thing that um, I think Pintotopia really encapsulated that. I feel like I really got that. Whereas the previous ones, they were like inklings. And I think I was trying to give language to something um, when I didn't have the language at the time. And I feel like over the years, through um, what maybe I can call my works exercises, I've really honed in the ability to be able to form that language and then be yeah. able to express what it is I'm trying to do. So in terms of like, um, I think things can fizzle out. I think things yeah. can like, things have their endpoints. I think um, like, I think you can reach a point where it's like, oh, okay, like I've really done this to the maximum. Like I can't really take this any further, for sure. But I think, um, I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, I need to like, that's now bad. It's yeah. more so in the sense I felt, no, like that avenue did that thing. Let me try a different avenue. And I feel like that's what I do every single time in making new It's like I really mm. guide by feeling because I think the body of research in terms of like, ac like academic text or theory, mm. that kind of stays the same. I don't always build upon that. I feel like I really built that up in the past few years. And now I do things here and there, mm -hmm. but it's like now I'm really much guided by feelings and conversations yeah. and things that I encounter. And how do you find, because... I, I kind of like really feel that, especially as someone that's like, as like an artist, I actually don't really make work that much. Like mm -hmm. I really, I really do depend on a lot of what I do as an artist in researching. And as we kind of just said before, it's like, it's difficult to kind of explain to someone like, oh, making research is a, a, a very much like a, a tangible part of my practice, mm -hmm. though nothing is really produced physically from it. Knowledge is produced though. Gorge, yeah, or <laughs> clip, <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's difficult as well, though, when you're especially in like a studio environment, but mm -hmm. also in like the and not to think of this as like a career, but to think about like your peers being like producers of things. Mm -hmm. Um, because then I because what I'm interested in is how do you then talk about that in like a elevator pitch way, like your process of like. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a, and I'm not saying that everyone has to, and maybe it's kind of gorgeous mm -hmm. that you don't have that ability that mm -hmm. in order to like understand the work, you have to really like work with it. You have to like really like be in tune to it. Um, but I do get confused as well because at times people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, fucking hell, like. Yeah, I don't minimize how? it. I have, I have to like, I feel like sometimes exhausted. It's like, not again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I give them the whole spiel. Yeah. Um, and that you don't compromise that. I, like, I just, I can't. Yeah. Because I think there's no, there's like, I sometimes like to be very like time specific. Mm -hmm. So like if someone asks me what I did, but the last thing I made was a sculpture. Yeah. Before that, I made an audiovisual or digital yeah. work. Before that. And so like yeah, that yeah, way, yeah. it's like, um, I make it clear that it's these works made in these specific moments mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. um, I think I'm very against like reduction mm -hmm. and collapsing and um, one dimensionality in, in every single way. Yeah. Um, I'm a big advocate for nuance and complexity and kind of implementing complexity into practices that maybe um, complexity isn't always afforded. Um, yeah. And so I feel like when I 
when people ask me that question, it feels like I have a duty to not simplify it. Got like you. I have That's to, such a nice way. I have to really, because then it's like I'm doing myself a disservice. It's like yeah. all the things in my life that have informed that want for complexity mm. or um, that desire to be understood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a whole. If I then am asked what I do and I don't explain myself fully or explain that complexity, am I then kind of being completely counterproductive as to what I'm trying to achieve? Yeah, that I think that's such a good way to put it. Because I think at times I'm in the situation where someone will be like, so what do you make work about? And I'm like, um, uh, like maybe this and blah. And then in my head, I like, I know that obviously like I do know the answers. Like I'm mm-hmm. confident in what I know, but I don't really like give, give it the space it needs. And I, do you know, perhaps because in a way I don't think the work can really be spoken about. It has to, maybe has to be experienced. Yeah. Because I, I, I have... I guess just perhaps also like going, being at uni and having that transition from Mm -hmm. realizing that this is the work that I wanted to make and I wanted the work to exist to communicate these kind of like concerns and desires and ambitions that I had. It was tricky to then be faced with like uh, a system that you have to like abide by to Mm -hmm. like get a good grade or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. and I guess also a lot of the friction that I faced with my work did come from uni where I like, made work specifically looking a certain type of way so that mm-hmm. it would almost like gloss over the like complexities mm-hmm. but i feel like now i think i only now being in the studio for what two years going on to three years mm-hmm. have i now just broken out of that like unlearn like unlearning mm-hmm. that way of communicating about work mm-hmm. but i wonder what for you you've had to unlearn in because because I did a fine art degree, mm-hmm. you did a I did not. you did not do an art. So let's mm-hmm. let's, let's get unpack into that. It. Yeah, let's unpack let's that. talk about it. <laughs> um, for me, after leaving uni, I think with that kind of training and training for that specific kind of environment um, and that way of working, I think I had to really reconcile um, the process of producing work. Mm. Whereas I think I studied for so long and not for so long, but I studied and throughout that time, it's like within the span of what, maybe like two months, two to three months, you'd have to have like a finished outcome. Yeah. Um, that was informed by the research, but also had like a very clear thing. Whereas after I graduated, I was like, sometimes that doesn't feel right with me. And I actually want to be able to spend time with things. And I think for me, um, I had to unlearn um, knowing exactly where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to unlearn um, saying things in stone or working towards a very specific outcome and really like implementing strategies, but also giving room for experimentation, Mm -hmm. um, allowing it to go. Basically like actively implementing ambiguity into my creative process is Mm. something that I had to do. And I guess- Like space of mystery, like space of- Yeah, of course. I think it's like, it's like now, when I start like when someone's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just researching. I'm just like being guided by a feeling. And like these, like the arena board that I'm working on right now, um, it informed my last work, but I decided not to stop it. And I'm just gonna allow it to keep on going because I feel like at the time I thought that the way it worked is that everything in this board has to go into the work. Mm. Whereas now it's like, no, I think it's just a place where I put things and then I draw from. And then when I draw from that, um, maybe go straight into the works or I do some writing outside of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's become this thing of um, 
just like following, being like allowing the process to be more intuitive and welcoming ambiguity. I mean, sitting with it, within it, and seeing where it takes you. Mm. And I feel like over the past few two years, I think I've done the most exciting works I've done in the longest time because I was guided by feeling, and it's not easy. Like it's really scary. Yeah. Um. Like sometimes you'll get to a point, and it's like there's literally nothing else mm. there. Like there's nothing else there. Like I can't take this any further. And then um, I do this thing now where I wait. I just live until, yeah. um, until I encounter happens. something that reinvigorates the process yeah, yeah. or like something that like intersects with the research. I'm like, oh, it can keep on going. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, it's not easy. But I think that's what I had to learn. And I think um, I'm really happy that I did. Yeah. What about, oh, you've already said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if. I don't even know if the majority of it was unlearning. I think actually part of it might have been just like realizing maybe this is going to go a bit like, because mm-hmm. it's not like a fully articulated, but I guess just even just like thinking back to it, I, at, at the time of my uni experience, I didn't really understand the effects of what it's like to be in like a homogenous oh, demographic yeah. Yeah. Um, institution, even yeah. like. I didn't like I think when I was in there I was like oh this is really this is not affecting no. me like I was like this is not affecting me like I'm just gonna go in and do yeah. do what I need to do and leave and mm-hmm. whatever and I think after I left I really realized the effects of like especially if you're making or especially if you have this like desire to make work that understands I guess the complexities of mm-hmm. being from a, a certain experience mm-hmm. being having that housed in a very like homogenous institution is like mm-hmm. really tricky and I think it and I think at time I thought you know I, I thought I was like I'm going against the grain mm-hmm. and I was like I've got this and then I left and I was like oh I was like the grain like, mm-hmm. I was like in the grain like I wasn't even like trying like it was so difficult and then I think once I left I realized that a lot of the way I encountered a lot of the histories that I work with mm-hmm. were through this kind of like lens that was mm-hmm. The, the kind of like purpose of that lens wasn't to aid me, but was to mm-hmm. aid a very certain viewer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, that was like my biggest thing. I think only now have I just started to unlearn that. And I yeah. think actually being friends with you and being friends mm-hmm. with other artists that have this kind of like fearlessness to think about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, or to think fearless. like, <laughs> 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 um, but just, yeah, I guess like a fearlessness to think how they think, like, and mm-hmm. not to be, not ha- not having to compromise that. Um, what are the two biggest influences you account for the current direction of your work now? Oh, I, w- I will say that lately I have been thinking a lot about light and sound, mm-hmm. um, very loosely, but I've been listening to a lot of songs that have really been like touching me and also appropriately. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm just feeling at the moment. Okay. But um, I love the sound that I'm listening to at the moment. It's somewhat very orchestral, very, okay. a bit theatrical, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, a song by um, Kelsey Lou. The mm-hmm. song's called Blood. I think it's what the Blood album is titled after. And it's called Love Falls on Us. It's a really gorgeous song. That's such a great way. Is that the lyric? The, yeah, that's, that's the lyric. That's um, It's a line from the song. And I think um, it just really hit. The song's actually quite heavy and she asks a lot of questions she's like who's fed enough who's left to trust Mm. um and then kind of it feels very much like 
um, times are troubling, which is very correct yeah. at the moment. But at the same time, it's up to us. Love, love falls on us. Like it's up to us to love and really foster that kind of culture and that kind of practice. And I feel I happened in my own personal life. Mm. I've been friending it up this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, love, love. Um, yeah. But I thought that line was really beautiful. Um, after that, um, I wrote small text about Wonderlust. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is fully correct, but um, I was just writing about Wonderlust as an embodied faith that testifies that there is something external to you that you must reach. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is so interesting you say that, and I guess having experienced, well, not even experienced, but having seen the work that you produce, mm-hmm. it's like, that's like the perfect like yeah. line. I think Wonderlust informs most of my works. All my works involve yeah. traveling of some sort. But as well, there's like there's like a definitely like reaching like quality to a lot mm-hmm. of the works that you do. There's like it's like limbs extended somewhere. Yeah. Or like like yeah, I think that's like pulls. Like yeah, pulls. Gravity, yeah. all these kind of things. But Wonderlust is like a guiding force for, for sure. sure. Um, I always wonder what that is. <laughs> we also, just said for sure at the same time. <laughs> but I also find like. Um, beginning to transition like as a trans person I feel like there's a form of wonderlust embedded within that as well mm, it's really fast it's very like um, <laughs> multi-dimensional yeah. I don't know yeah it's very it's quite large um, the other thing I was writing about was I think I don't know if I'm saying this right but Salmachis or Salmachis which is the name of a fountain or spring located in modern day Budrum, Turkey mm. but according to some classical authors the water had the reputation of making fem- making men effeminate and soft. And this legend lies at the heart of Ovid's tale of Salmachus and Hermaphroditus. Oh, wow. It's really interesting, yeah. You should, you should go visit. Yeah, and also I'm really, I'm really like drawn to water at the moment as well. Okay. So I'm seeing what that goes, but I've been following that. And then this is one of my favorites. Okay. So this is the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Okay. Which, have you seen Arrival? Oh, you're not uh, a I don't person. watch, I don't yeah. watch films, but... Arrival, it's like an astronaut film, right? Enough, no. Um, but the Sapir Wolf hypothesis is basically. I'm sorry, I was so confident. <laughs> you were. It's like, okay. Astronauts. Yeah. Um, the Sapir Wolf hypothesis is basically um, the hypothesis that language has the ability to literally shift um, perceptions of reality. Oh, essentially. wow. And so through the adoption, through the creation of new languages, you're able to basically gain a new perspective on existence and reality. And so um, I find that my work, I'm always, as I said, researching and giving language to things. Mm. I feel like I'm constantly forming languages, whether they be visual or sonic, whatever they are. But I think um, I always find it interesting that I'm always giving language to something that doesn't have language, maybe associated to already. So in kind of giving language to that, am I then, and also getting other people to understand that, am I literally changing the perspective of reality, like it might say the revealing aspects of it. Like it's very like, it's obviously very speculative in the sense that um, this is, I found out about it from watching Arrival and basically Mm. they learn this language from aliens that allows them to be able to Mm. see, to experience time um, non-linearly. So they're able to experience the past, present and future all at the same time. We have transgenders like Ferrari. Oh, that, no, you have to talk about that video. Yeah, oh, it's kind of, you have like that. What's that so, video from? It's quite, it's like, I, it's it's her story. Yeah. So um, it's from this um, this documentary that Channel 4 did. I can't remember specifically um, what the name was, but basically it's following men that like to specifically only date trans women. 
that's the most like Channel Four coded. Oh yeah, of course. Ever. Like the, troubling, troubling, <laughs> troubling. <laughs> Uh, From like 2014 or something, right? Yeah, but no, that, maybe even younger, like uh, earlier than that, like no. crazy. And basically, um, if you know what a chaser is, it's basically like a TV show full of chasers. <laughs> Let the girls know. Yeah, um, but basically, they're interviewing this guy, and he's talking about why he only dates um, he only dates transgender women, and. Um, He's like he's like obsessed. Like he's like yes. Like I love my trans women, yeah, and um, which also, should which should be great. But also he's really creepy. Talk about also because in the room that they're filming in, yeah. hasn't he got like a line of like? He's got like a perfume. line of perfumes. Yeah, like, perfumes. Like he's like because he needs to host well. Yeah, that's his, that's oh, the whole thing. He needs his girls to feel comfortable. Um, so yes, um, he sat on the sofa. He's got a glass of champagne, and he's just like, um, he's like transgender woman. Um, trans transgender women are the best of both worlds. It's like, how do you know what a Ferrari is like if you never try it out? I think you know the difference after you drive it. So transgender is like Ferrari, and I like Ferrari. And I was it's like, it's, 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 it's kind of incredible. It's gorgeous. But also, like, get away from me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think there's something that thing. we. I was speaking about this the other day. This is like, I think this in a way bleeds into like our research practice where yeah. it's like. No matter the context of the research, yeah. a slay is a slay. Oh, of course. Like, Anything's relevant. Anything is relevant. I, Anything's relevant. I think, you know, the man, questionable, very troubling. But yeah. What he said. Oh. Incredible. Incredible. In Transgender is it's like cool. Ferrari. No, wow. for sure. And things that no one knows what it means, but it's correct. No one knows what it means. And I think that's kind of what's gorgeous <laughs> as well is that no one knows what it means. But to him, it's like the answer to everything. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's like the epitome of a compliment in a way. In a way, like, yeah. I think he's... Maybe he's, I don't know his thinking about it, to be honest. Yeah. But I know that he's trying to say it in a complimentary way. Like, and he's basically yeah. saying that we're not, we're not a Toyota. We're a Ferrari. Or, no, we are a Ferrari. Yeah. Well, maybe not we, it. sorry. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> we. Correction. Um, but I think, yeah, just incredible. And I think this is, I think this is what I mean when I say, I just collate yeah, I think... things. Like, it's like, I got, like, it's like, I'll just be experiencing something. And I'm like. Oh, like that hit something. Yeah, I need to note that down. And so I have this like arena board just full of references mm. of just like random things. My favorite thing to do is screenshotting, um, think like movie like scenes from movies with the subtitles mm. and putting them into my arena board. Mm. So it's like I just love that. Okay, on Tuna. Influences. Yes. Um, I mean, a long time standing influences. That has, like, I guess, has just always just constantly evolved. Mm -hmm. Is this bloody flower? Like, yes. I, I think yeah. the working. I think I don't know what it is. I think just even from like working at uni. Well, actually, funnily enough, at uni it was the seed. Oh. I was obsessed with the seed mm -hmm. as a concept, as a container, um, as a way of understanding. Mm -hmm. um, I really just enjoyed the seed. I think because of my research at the time, and I landed upon this idea of like the germinating seed as like an, an all-encompassing entity mm -hmm. that was like, it was like a protector, but it's also like something that was to like break free from, mm -hmm. something to like process. But I think now it's developed into the flower. Yeah. And I've actually got a bunch of, I printed off these essays recently oh. that I went through, but there are some gorge quotes. I actually don't know which one, which one it is but I'll find it while I talk about why I love the flower. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's I think it's purely because the 
there's just something so exciting about I don't know perhaps do you know when you see like a dog in yeah. the street or like an animal and you're just like and when you go beyond the like spectacle of like you seeing an animal you think I don't know if you ever get where you're like how did you get here yeah all the time like, yeah. if I see a dog I'm like oh that's such a cute dog well actually I do think dogs stink so I don't really say that I just like oh a dog and then if it's like, a cute dog I'm like oh that's a really cute dog yeah. then if I stare at it for long enough and I stare at like its back move while it walks or like the tail wag mm-hmm. or like when the tongue sticks out I'm like oh my god you're like like I kind of like freak out a bit it's like insane mm-hmm. but I think I get the opposite with a flower okay when I see a flower I like I'm just like overcome with maybe like <laughs> as if Jesus is walking in a higher. like <laughs> yeah. that's the feeling like I just also I yeah um can I point something out please I feel like I love how when you're talking about it's the flower. It's like when Wendy Williams talks about the killer. Yeah, the killer. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the flower. It's like um, because I'm holding a working progress sculpture of a flower. Correct. You're making the <laughs> Um yes. What flower is this spe- like specifically, or is this like a flower you've constructed yourself? No. Or? So what's really interesting is so for the longest time this flower has been based off a diagram, which okay. is just behind you. It's the blue. Yeah. This diagram taken from a lecture online, and mm. the lecture talks about how flowers are the are, are like planetary beings that have mm-hmm. planetary alignment so mm-hmm. every part of the plant is associated with the planet mm-hmm. um but for the longest time i i think i only half asked to watch that lecture because i was like oh that's such a gorgeous little diagram yeah. you don't need and, to listen to everything yeah cool exactly and you know i'm a sucker for like any diagram yeah i literally love a diagram you so do. much so then i basically just based loads of my making off it and then i actually rewatched it the other day because someone asked me like Oh, Torvik, by the way, like, what flower is this? And I was yeah. like, fuck, what flower is this? Um, and I think there's, like, some orchid qualities to the flower. Yeah. But it's actually, um, in the thing he talks about, the archetypal plant, he calls it the archetypal flower. Oh, wow. Which is, like, the most, isn't that, like, the most insane, yeah. gorgeous thing ever? It's, like, it's like, like in, like, a <clears throat> Promethean kind of way. Kind of. Okay. And apparently there's, like, a, I don't, this is now all going to be, like, paraphrased, Okay. Like not hundred percent legit. What I've got from there's a guy, <laughs> there's a man. There's a man. But he basically believed, or like he had basically set out to understand what the archetypal flower was. Yeah. And in a lot of Western spiritualism of the twentieth century, I'm yeah. gonna say, the flower was like this, like, or like flowers had like a power to them. Yeah. Which I think they still do now. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's this really interesting thing about thinking about the flower as like just like the flower mm-hmm. and it being like a thing. Um, so I think for me, the reason also why I think about the flower a lot is because I think it offers us, I guess in my practice, I deal with what it's like to process trauma through mm-hmm. history and what like historic trauma yeah. is, what it's like and how do we, how can we heal from it in a way that's like not solution heavy and based mm-hmm. in like, right, we need to do this and this. Because I truly believe that all the questions and all the solutions, all the solutions that we need and seek, we have them within we have them, within, we yeah. have them in, on our planet. Yeah. Um, which I think is like a really gorge like, perspective to adopt. And mm-hmm. I think this is why this flower, making this flower is almost like a symbol of that, like mm-hmm. to kind of show that instead of, because I'm interested in like, yeah, recounting time, recounting the past, but to do that in different processes and this idea of germination mm-hmm. of this flower blossoming mm-hmm. is in a way kind of transposed on like the that history. Yeah. Um, but the quote that I found is 
Um, it's from a, it's um, from a book by. Actually, I'm not going to. I'm just going to read the quotes. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's we are fed and developed like plants by the action of solar beams. Do you see the green appendages of our bodies looking like beautiful emerald wings? They contain grains of chlorophyll similar to that which leaves, which leaves their characteristic color, mm-hmm. which I think is gorge. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a sucker for anything that like. I think actually what it is is like I'm a sucker for anything that offers a new perspective but yeah. like completely changes your original perspective. Like it mm-hmm. overrides your original perspective. Yeah. Um, and I think I read something maybe like four or five years ago and it was literally like flowers are absorbers of impact. Yeah. Change the game. Like mm-hmm. now every time I see a flower I'm like wow. Like mm-hmm. even when I see like a puddle on the ground and like the water in that puddle is reflecting light and understanding that instead of it just being like water in a puddle it's like an absorber of an energy mm-hmm. reflecting and being able to reflect that it's like mm-hmm. it's like oh wow there's like things really active with mm-hmm. like energy and like mm-hmm. it's also really funny as well because i do this and i'm also like listening to them it's like unhinged music no going, i think it's so beautiful which it, it is because it, i think um i think we're all like some some like one thing i love about artists is the ability to kind of um decentralize ways of looking at mm. the world and i feel like central like most adopted views towards plants maybe don't view it in that mm. kind of sense mm. and also with that being said we're living in a culture that um well in a society that doesn't really value um plant life or greenery mm. to the extent that maybe it should because it's literally damaging the environment so being able yeah. to actually and like view and be able to conceptualize the mechanics of plants in that kind of way and really be in tune with what they're actually doing and which may sound romanticized and like fantastical but Mm. i think it's also true like it's literally correct and um that i think is really beautiful perspective um and so just not so to bring it back to the flower Mm -hmm. the flower the flower which kills me i'm sorry um it's because this doesn't look like a real flower to me yeah yeah yeah. it's like it's nearly alien-esque it's like imagine this is so funny but Mm -hmm. like imagine um imagine have you seen strangers you don't watch tv i don't watch tv but do you know do you know what the demogorgon looks like though is that the one that people sing the singing one no they're like the thing that's like it's oh like, yes yeah it's got like teeth yes yes yeah, yeah, yes yeah, yeah. it's like a cunty demogorgon cunty oh, with a K. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. like yeah. yasified like demogorgon like the way it like the like the petals like open up yeah and like these th- what would you call these um uh i don't know actually i don't actually know this you, is what i mean though it, like yeah. it's just like it's it's alien-esque and it's yeah. really gorgeous but do you want to know something crazy yeah okay oh my god found it oh gorgeous um, orchids can be dated back as far as 15 million years by use oh. of fossil records. This may seem old to you and I, but in botanical terms, orchids are a mere youngster. Other plant families can be traced as far back as 100 million years. Oh, wow. This relative ju- juvenile- juvenility, juvenility yeah. means that orchids are probably still undergoing the evolutionary process. Do you oh, find that insane? That's gorgeous. So in my head, when I read that, I was thinking, oh, this is probably like either... It's like interesting to think like this is either a futuristic flower or yeah. a flower in the process of blossoming. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is gorgeous. I love that you're like 
in the while we're talking, Combi yeah. is like holding and cradling. Oh yeah. The flower, by the way, so it's like it's really I'm... gorgeous to like speak about it, and you're like cradling it. It's like receptive. Oh yeah, like I'm literally viewing it like a living being. Mm. It's like the scale of it is very like baby esque yeah, in a way, it's baby. like like cute alien. Mm-mm-mm. Like floral baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, should I ask you one of my questions? Oh, please. What is your relationship to collaboration? Do you collaborate with people, mm-hmm. or is this like something new you're exploring? Do you even have a relationship to collaboration within your practice? So I've when you whenever anyone mentions collaboration, I think of um, a conversation. So. Another friend I met through Eben, Samra, yeah. mm-hmm. um, we met at one of Eben's private views and then mm-hmm. after we were like, we should like do like a studio, mm-hmm. like we should go to each other's studios or whatever. And then we actually never, we never gave each other our Instagram. So we actually, we never, do, do we, don't, we don't know each other yeah. at all. <laughs> and I think randomly, I either one of us came across each other and then we had replied to a story and then we were like, let's finally do this like studio catch up. But the first thing that I, the, when we, when I met when I met Summer at the studio, she was telling me, what are you working on? And I was like, oh, I'm currently in the process of doing this 3D print, but mm-hmm. I'm a bit scared because every time I've like uh, undertaken a project that sees to realize something mm-hmm. at the last hurdle, I kind of get turned off by it and I just okay. like kind of give up in a way. Mm-hmm. And she had said something really amazing that has really altered the way I think about working. And she said, do you always have to finish it off? Like, can mm-hmm. someone else not finish it off for you? And I've never thought of that ever. And now it's something that I constantly think about. Yeah. Even though I haven't had it in action, it's yeah. something that I do think about a lot. But in the past, I mean, like I've always, like I've, I will, I can happily talk talk with people about what they're doing for hours, mm-hmm. like every day. I think it's like one of the most, I, I truly see it as like a privilege yeah. to be able to like sit down with someone, a group of people, mm-hmm. and to hear them talk about how they see mm-hmm. things and how they want to see things. It's something that I truly like, love, and I will always. I I hope that's something I will never lose touch of. Mm-hmm. But I guess in terms of collaboration, I haven't. I don't know, like mm-hmm. I, and perhaps you might identify in this as well. I think because the work, what I make work about, mm-hmm. is so unique mm-hmm. to my experience, and it's like the reason to why, I'm like to an extent even alive or in, mm-hmm. to a, like, you know, the extent to why, you know, I, I'm in the UK even. Like, why are you even, who you are, who you are. Yeah, it's like who I am. Like, yeah. so it's very difficult to then invite someone else into that. Yeah. Especially when I've, especially with the way I make the work, I'm really extracting not only from myself, but like from family, from mm-hmm. all these other pools of like mm-hmm. things that not everyone has con- a connection to the same mm-hmm. way that I do. And I guess for me, collaboration sound, or like my understanding of collaboration is, you know, we have to do at least maybe like a 50-50 type of thing. Perhaps that's like from uni, mm-hmm. you know, like it's something, yeah. maybe it's not something that I got 100% agree with, but mm-hmm. I do think with collaboration is like, I have to bring something, you have to bring something type of thing. Mm-hmm. But then in times, I also think about, I actually think in a way, all I do is collaborate because mm-hmm. I do really talk to all my friends about mm-hmm. these things and I really am inspired by a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. So in a way, whenever I have those moments or those exchanges with people, mm-hmm. I do feel like, oh, wow, like mm-hmm. 
maybe that's a collaboration type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if it wasn't for people that I've encountered, it's like, oh, I'm so happy to have met you. Like, I'm lucky mm. to have met you. Exactly, yeah. Because you were able to, like, have a conversation with me. It's like, oh, you, I was able to, like, share things with you and mm-hmm. that resonated with you and then mm-hmm. that leads to something. I think that the element of chance, but also allowing credit to not just be purely your own is such an important thing because it, not, it like, acknowledges a reality of the person that it takes to make a work. Yeah, because it's... And I think, I don't know, I was saying this, I've been saying this to people quite a couple of times recently this year, but I really do feel like this year I've noticed the transition of my friendships turning into communities. Yeah. And I think that's such a, like an important, yeah. like, if it's one thing that I'm like, I do think is like, I don't think there's a recipe to like be successful or no. a recipe to be like a good artist, but I do think there's a factor in there that you have to consider and that's being mm-hmm. part of a community and working mm-hmm. within. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I can't imagine at all producing what I've produced, thinking the way I thought if I haven't had some incredible conversations. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. at times, and it's and it's so, and this is why as well, I always make a joke, but I'm always saying like, when the summer's, when summer's here, I'm not in my studio. I'm out with friends. Like, yeah. I can't, there is no way I'm going to like, like chastise myself to like yeah. work here when actually I should be like with the people that are going to like actually be the reasons yeah. why the work is you so. You have to live. You have to live. Exactly. Because there are some people that think, there are some people that fall in that facade of like tortured artist, no. which I hate. No. Hate, 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 no. hate. It's like the one, and every time I see someone like slipping into it, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. don't do it. Yeah, no. Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a tricky one, especially when you're like, but I think it does go then, it then does go to show what your experiences with art is to yeah. begin with like yeah do you know what i mean because i feel like my experience with art i think you know do which did you do foundation no doing so i did a foundation year but i but maybe we can both sympathize or empathize um we both you sheffield coventry mm-hmm. so like out of like the london buzz yeah i think i feel like if i I feel like I was very lucky because I feel like it would have, it could have been very easy for me to like fall into that kind of like mm-hmm. that process or that grind of like wanting to be a certain artist that would end up being this like tortured artist that's like I just make work and no one really gets me and uh, yeah. da, da, da. yeah but it's actually really if you have community that always I was about to say it. if you have community like, and I think that's exactly it like having people that are like rooting for you in a very yeah. unique way makes it feel all worth it like yeah. even when it comes to like because I think at times when I've like been in the studio by myself, I'm like, why am I here? Like, why am I yeah. doing this? And then like just having like one conversation with someone. Oh, yeah. Just really like changes your whole outlook and yeah. really makes you feel like you can achieve mm-hmm. anything and do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in a way, collaboration, I wouldn't say I've done it explicitly, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's like there. integral to the nature of being an artist, I think. Yeah, because um, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it really does. T- I'm even just thinking about getting to the point I've gotten now, mm-hmm. I have to thank so many people. Mm-hmm. Like, people that I, like, I, like, it would literally take, like, <laughs> years now. Mm-hmm. It would take, like, long, a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what I wish for, collab- I don't know, I, I, I love thinking collabor- mm-hmm. collaboratively. I never, never made I mean, look at Tender Exchange. Tender Exchange. Oh, yeah. Plug. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, Tender Exchange, for, for those, for those that don't know, no. Um, Tender Exchange is a research forum um, mm-hmm. or research lab that yes. operates as a research forum mm-hmm. but it's um, a hub of thinkers basically getting together and thinking about ideas and, and subjects but mm-hmm. through 
through feeling, I guess. Yeah, it's thinkers thinking. Think, think is thinkers, thinking. Thinkers coming together to think. to think about thinking. I think it's incredible. Yeah, oh, thank you. Um, no worries. Yeah. Yay to thinking. Um, another question that I have, mm-hmm. it's a question that I think, I don't know how to word it, but I, I think, you know, in let's if we were to think about the future, mm-hmm. what, what conversations, so your role as an artist, yeah. what conversations would you want to be brought up in in regards to your work like what conversations would you want your work to be in conjunction with i can't answer that um boring (laughs) like explain why i can explain why it's because um like i don't know there's something about studying art direction and also being an educator and like Mm also being an artist and something that's overarching within everything that I've done or do is communication. Mm-hmm. And a big thing about communication is that you can do everything in your power to make sure that something is received in a very specific way, but based on someone's references, you don't know how yeah, that thing's going that to control. land. And um, the only thing that I could say is that I started doing this thing two years ago this is the only thing that I can confirm that I'd like to be brought up in because mm-hmm. I also don't know where I'm going to go in the future within yeah. my work as well. So I can't even say specific discipline. But it's like, um, I started doing this thing two years ago where to guide me in order to, it's part of like my reflection. Um, and also when I go to exhibitions, this is what I think about. Um, also when I just analyze anything, it's like, I like to think about what is a good artist? Mm. And I don't think there is necessarily like a definition for that, but I think I compile that for myself as I go throughout life. Mm. Um, and I also allow that to inform me what I think is a good artist yeah. and I strive to be that within myself. And so I will go to shows or I'll encounter people's work and like I will have an experience with it where I'm like, I think this is a good artist or this is a really good work. And I guess I kind of keep on adding to this thing. And um, for me, I have that with lots of people. Like I've seen works where I'm like, oh, like stunning. Like when I saw um, Adam Farris slash Free Yards exhibition at Mm -hmm. Public Gallery, I had a very specific experience in that gallery. Um, And in that space, encountering his work, that went into, informed what I think makes a good work or Mm -hmm. what makes a good artist. Um, Abaz Zahedi, mm-hmm. um, I think is a good artist. Yeah. Um, when I encounter his works and his thinking, I'm always blown away. Um, Dominique White. Gorge. Um, incredible artist, yeah. great artist. I love her approach to working. We've had many discussions in the past. Um, I'm so grateful to have been able to speak to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, like, I'm not going to keep on listening because I think I have many incredible people that I look up to. Um, Do not feel offended if you haven't been named. (laughs) Um, But I think I constantly, I I think of what they do and I really think about, I would love, not necessarily, it's not like I'm literally like, it's not like I've got a shopping bag and I'm like, oh, that's nice, that's nice. And I take that. But it's like, I think it's, and it's more, it's not like, oh, like, it's not like, oh, I love the way that they've done sculpture, but then it's more so when you really think about what's going on behind the work and the kind of process that it's taken. When I looked at Adam Farah's work, slash Friard's um, work, 
the work of public gallery, it was the way that he created an environment in that space. It was like mm. down to like the way that he, I, I don't know what they're called, but little boards that go halfway up a wall. In some, um, like a, a kind of like a skirting board for the middle of the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. And like the way he like mounted a, like um, a piece of work underneath that as well, or like the use of plastic covered carpets mm. um, in the space and all like his use of benches. Um, which you get from like boys' lockers rooms um, from primary, primary and secondary schools. Mm. It was just all of these like materials and they're found, but also they're like presenting the space in a way where like they make sense and you get this very specific experience within it. And I think his work's always very emotive, very touching. And I was in there and I was like, I don't feel like this a lot. That to me makes good artists. Mm. When I look at Dominique White's work, I love the fictions that she creates around her works, her production quality, her relationship to clay and the way she she uses it. Mm. And um it's like yeah. a commitment that you, you can like feel from the exactly. that I know. Yeah. And it's like it's like the fiction, the way it's been executed is like it's real. Yeah. Like it exists. And like mm. what's coming through within um these fictions that you're creating feels like it's literally being implemented into my reality. It's like I believe what it is that you're that you're saying. Yeah, like, I love that. You feel like you can trust them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's Dominique White, and I can't remember who else that I Abbas said. Abbasiadi. Abbasiadi. Um, it's the details. Some small details. Some it's small details. Um, like I remember, like the work they had at South London Gallery with the rose water and like, um, and the sprinklers. I think or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like you create a system. Um, it's like. Things that require sitting with, things that have been really carefully considered. Mm. Um, and I think it's like, I'm really interested in things that are, things that are emotive, but, um, but not yeah, like, I, I can't really put it into words. It's I like, know what you mean with emotive. It's, I like things that are emotive, but not, um, not curated in a way. Like, not that it's like, everyone's going to understand that this is a sad thing, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's really what like it pulls out from you. Mm-hmm. And that's like always a unique thing. I think it's like to do, it's it's something to do with like, I think it's affect that's been created, mm. but like not in, a, like not in regards to like spectacle, but mm. it's more so in terms of like, just due to the way in which the body reacts with this work creates mm. a specific affect that is so beautiful. Yeah, And I think that is such a beautiful thing. So like, what would I like to be brought up in I hope that if someone out there is thinking, having the same conversation as me, hopefully in my lifetime, I've done something to be involved within mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Or that conversation. Mm, for sure. That's it. I think that's very possible. <laughs> but I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's a... Because I think it's something that I think about a lot where it's like... I don't, I don't really want to think of it as like a legacy, but it's like as artists it's nice to consider, or it's nice to have a, I guess, uh, an awareity mm-hmm. of what we leave behind, mm-hmm. especially in conversations. Yeah. I think as both of us, we are very like research heavy mm-hmm. and we produce from feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a, the production of what we make is, it goes towards a general conversation. Mm-hmm. I do think for me, it's something that I want to I guess in the future, just like even offer, because I think now currently what I like, what I aim to do is offer a space where people feel like they can think this, think like 
people can think through a certain way mm-hmm. and for that space to be like well because it's the space that I'm creating for myself mm-hmm. I think in a way even just going back to the question about influences one of like an influence that I have is like freedom mm-hmm. I think that is such an incredible thing for me personally mm-hmm. and not in the sense of just like liberation which I think is something that we should all strive for and everyone mm-hmm. should have access to but just the freedom to think a certain way in regard like can I say a word if that's okay? Yeah, 100%. I feel like emancipation's really coming up. The emancipation of Mimi. Yeah. I never I never understood what that word meant. Yeah, emancipation. It's like, um, I'm probably going to describe this very incorrectly. No, that's, that's the But like one. emancipation, it means like an overcoming an overcoming of like limitations to then be more freer. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that's... Like when kids become emancipated, it means that um, they're no longer um, under the control of their parents. They're mm. now, like they have the rights of an adult. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like there's a freedom that comes after overcoming something, Mm-mm-mm. or kind of leaving somebody behind. Or yeah. yeah. I guess that that's probably like the perfect word, because especially because a lot of the times, a lot of the work that I do is around this like traumatic history, and it is that kind of like, okay, how do I like yeah. over not not overcome this and completely forget it, but how do I like heal? How do I heal this, or how mm-hmm. do I find a way to think through this that mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't negate the experience that has mm-hmm. happened, but also just softens the blow away yeah. or, in a way. And I guess for me, the conversation that, I guess just like, I would just love for people to consider the way that I consider an alternative. Yeah. I think it's something that I truly would be like super grateful for because it's something mm-hmm. that I, I would have loved to have offered to me growing up. Like, yeah. Um, and even just in education, like I would have mm-hmm. loved to know that there's a possibility of doing things because it feels right, because it yeah. like feels right to you, and it's something that is very, you know, it's not something that kind of like bleeds out onto someone else's experience, but it's mm-hmm. something that's like very personal. It's like, you know, personal DNA. It's like, mm-hmm. I think that's something that I would, yeah, I'd want to be considered in. Mm-hmm. That's gorgeous. Thank you. No. Um. I guess maybe like uh, a final question, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you excited for? Because we're coming up to that, we've filmed this mm-hmm. just shy of the new year. Just shy of the new year. Is there anything you're looking, not even excited for, is there anything that you're hoping to achieve, try out, accomplish, um, or even just like experience in the new year? That's such a hard one. It's such uh, a hard question. Like, um, I have felt maybe this is very weird to say, but I mm-hmm. think I said this this song the other day in a way where I was like, I, and I'm in no way perfect, but I genuinely, and yeah, and I want to really emphasize that perfection is not here Mm -hmm. um but i am the happiest i think i've been ever um and things aren't perfect not in any way but it's like um i'm somewhat excited for the future i feel like i'm working towards things that i care about i feel like i'm loved and i am loving Mm -hmm people properly for the first time and I'm single I'm talking about like I'm talking about like my friends and my family <laughs> Hit <her up. laughs> literally like mm, please no <laughs> um but like I genuinely um I'm 
the happiest I've been. But also, it's kind of crazy because I know I can be happier. Mm. Um, and I think I'm just interested in fostering that happiness. It's like I have obviously I've made plans and like and things and make plans, um, making adjustments to kind of maximize my productivity or to work towards things that I want. But I think all of those things, it's kind of been the same thing every single year. And I think this year, it's like, I think I really focused this year on living alongside working. And I think that happiness is something that I've really far has come from that. Mm. And so um, I think to bring it back to me um, and my research is that I guess love really does fall on us. And I think I that's my focus essentially mm. for next year. And that means like loving myself, but also loving those around me. Um, and loving myself includes like everything to do with my work. My work is like inextricably linked to like um, my personal life. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think love falls on us. And I think that's what I'm committing myself to. I guess it's loving. And I'm a hater. Everyone knows this. So yeah. It's really bizarre. Um, but I am a hater dedicated to loving next year. Um, so yeah. This reminded me of a, um, a very silly quote um, <laughs> that I'm going to try to quickly find because it's, it's, I screenshot it the other day. Um, but when you were talking about, oh, here it is. Um, she let me hit because I care for all creatures in the forest, great or small. Oh, I was so like, cute. that is such a gorge, gorge thing. Uh, but yes, um, that's me. I have things that I'm working on, but honestly, I think, I really have no interest in self-endorsing myself and I don't need to. And mm-hmm. I think I love that this conversation has been so heartwarming. Yeah, um, likewise. It's been so loving. And like, um, I feel like I have nothing that actually requires um, stating or endorsing, but I think you do. Um, well, do you know what? Not even like, I think one thing that I'm like super looking forward to yeah. for the new year is to really... I have been like, I truly hold it as like the, the biggest privilege ever mm-hmm. to have experienced the friendships that I have this year mm-hmm. and experienced the conversations I have this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited. And I've been very lucky that I've been pretty passive to that. Like I, mm-hmm. they, they've really just come my way. Like I mm-hmm. haven't, I truly feel like I haven't really. You're like, a lover. Like, I'm you're such really, a lover. You're I, such a lover. So it doesn't surprise me that you say that. But in a way I'm thinking, imagine, <laughs> imagine how I can maximize you're maximize, loving. yeah. Like I think it'd be crazy. It would be like, crazy. Scary. It'd be like, scary. Like <laughs> if, like every encounter I had was like, what, like do you know what I mean? Like it's, I'd scream. It ah! would. <laughs> it would be like, because I am truly like grateful for it, and I yeah. truly like think a lot of the successes that I personally find to be successes in my life mm-hmm. purely are from the fact that I'm surrounded by some really great people. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think. I've just I've just been super lucky that I haven't had to really like lift up a finger to get that. So yeah. what I'm excited for is to really purposefully build community because I've been there and there have been people around me that have been instrumental in providing me that community and providing me that space and providing me with those like amazing interactions that I've had. Yeah. And I feel like I want to almost be like, have a break. I'm going to take over. Like yeah. I'm going to, I want to be in that position where, you know, I'm speaking with people more and, Mm-hmm. giving people like a space to like giving people the space that I feel like I've been mm-hmm. given to yeah. like speak and be mm-hmm. myself but I mm-hmm. guess also 
putting on the show next year. I'm yes. going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're going to do, do it. it. Ah, do yes, you want to tell them a bit more about it? Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been super, super lucky enough to... Um, He's also worked hard, by the way. Hey. Um, to be uh, given the opportunity to put, present a project that I've been working on for quite a while, mm. for years, I would say now at this point. Um, and it's a project with Sanmay Gallery, mm-hmm. which is... Like, regardless of it being the opportunity of it being, like, my first solo show, mm-hmm. and actually my first kind of, like, arts, mm-hmm. like, art exhibition that isn't, like, self-organized, mm-hmm. I'm, like, incredibly lucky to do with Sunday because they really are, like, I thought I was determined, they are determined. <laughs> yeah. Like, they are really, like, instilling, yeah. like, such a great, like, support for, mm-hmm. for myself, and, and it really affirmed, because, like, I guess... I don't know, you know what it's like. To shout like, out to San May. <laughs> shout out to San May. Um, but making work, making work for so long in your studio and just thinking with friends. Yeah. And then having it to go somewhere where they have like a, I guess they have like an obligation to mm-hmm. their community and also to their, mm-hmm. like themselves as like a... Organization. An organization. Yeah. But for them to really like receive what I have and to be really receptive to it and to really like push kind of aspects that I'm not really confident with mm-hmm. is the most like affirming thing um so I'm super excited where I finally get to have like almost like a bit of a playground to like mm-hmm. present the flower mm-hmm. and all the like thinking that the goes flower. inside of it and I guess also to finally like show what I'm about because I feel like yeah. a lot of the times I just say like oh I'm an artist I do yeah. sculpture whereas like I there's like so much to what I do but I guess I, do you know what, after yeah. this conversation I'm like I'm gonna be but, like Kumbi but you know what really kills me what, re- what I find really funny is that like if someone was to ask me what you do I would say an artist but they'd be like but what does he make I'd be like, I don't know and yeah. the thing is that I still don't really know right yeah, now no but the one... thing is that like I it's never been an issue for me yeah, like yeah, yeah. to me it's like it's correct mm. I think being elusive I think is what an artist should be I think um, well, that's a very bold statement to make. Well, because I think obviously art yeah, exists yeah. alongside the market, which mm-hmm. requires predictability, which requires understanding, which requires a somewhat of a definition. <laughs> but um, I think there's a certain beauty to being elusive yeah. and like um, really being in tune with creativity. And I think you're one of the most creative people I know. Oh. And I think um, I wish you guys could see Torfik Studio. I think. Um, like, as much as, like, I churn out works um, quicker than Torfik does, and that's just um, relatively, by the way. Yeah. Um, his studio has so much more within it than I think mine does. Like, mine's very much designed for function. Yeah. Um, and then I just put things on the wall. But Torfik's studio has, like, an element of, like, living in and, like, the way in which, like, elements are presented and the kind of like objects that he has within them I think um everyone should be really excited what he has to bring and I think it's going to be really beautiful mm-hmm. and I think um yeah I'm really grateful oh. to have um for TK21 to have TK21 um yeah I think um I'm really excited and also when it comes to that list of artists who I look up to I think are good I think after this, you will have solidified your spot. Oh, uh, listen, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Thank you so much to Torfik and Kumbi 
for their time and for sharing their experiences. And thank you for tuning in to the first episode of All Purpose Filler. We hope to see you again soon. Set Radio presents All Purpose Villains.